listening to Hawkeye's History, your favorite weekly-ish history podcast where we talk about all these sexy and salacious stories you probably did not learn about in high school. I'm Belle. And I'm Ellen. What's the hot goss today, Belle? So I have to give credit here um, to my boyfriend. It was his idea. I'm not going to lie. This was his idea. And he was like, we shouldn't hang out tonight so you can finish your research because you have to make this really good. Like, I shit you fucking not, which is very precious. So I hope that I do a good job. So we'll see. So today we're going to be talking about this topic in general could be its own entire podcast. uh, And I'm sure it is. But today we're going to talk about um, the cross section of vampires and New Orleans. Ooh, exciting. (laughs) I know. But most specifically, we are beginning with the Casket Girls of New Orleans. Okay. Have you heard of the Casket Girls? I have not, but I love New Orleans. Uh, I have family that lives there. I spent a summer working at the zoo there. I adore (laughs) everything about the city, so I'm really ready to go for this one. Okay, I've never been, and now I feel like I've been deprived. Um, we need to add it to our Hawkeye history road trip. We really Definitely do. a destination, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to talk about my sources that I used at the end of the episode. Uh, a, so I'm not spoiling things, and B, because uh, there's a bunch. So just like paper, that's where the bibliography is. Love it. Okay, so a little background. Um, the city of New Orleans was founded in... 1718 as La Nouvelle Orléans by French colonists. It was the capital of French Louisiana prior to becoming part of the U.S. in Louisiana Purchase of 1803. Talk about a fucking steal, but like literally because it wasn't theirs to begin with, but like <laughs> I digress. Regardless, um, so we talked about uh, like with cowboys to build a civilization, you need to have some babies and to have some babies, you got to have some ladies. Where do you get ladies? So in France, they had this program called uh, Les Filles du Roy, which means the daughters of the king, um, which looks like Phillies du Roy. Um, that's how it's spelled. F-I-L-L-E-S. Yeah, right. Regardless, they had used this program previously in Quebec in the late 1600s. And basically, they took women from all kinds of places like jails and brothels and orphanages and just like off the street women who were thought to be quote unquote rough or unsavory or women of dubious repute the phrase dubious repute was used (laughs) in so that i'm pretty just like a direct translation like the women like a house of ill repute right yeah incredible i love it yeah but anyway so they So yeah, they had, they sent women over there in the late 1600s to Quebec. I mean, it like kind of worked, kind of didn't. Like unsurprisingly, most women didn't really want to go. And like a lot of them died on the way there, right? You're just chucking a bunch of women in a ship. And also if you're a woman on a ship, I, again, obviously I learned a lot of new things on most of my topics. I'm sure you do too. But like, I didn't know that women in general weren't like allowed to go above deck they were supposed to be like say so you're just fucking oh my cloistered. god that's yeah. horrible okay, i get yeah. motion sickness i would be i'd be done i'd be throwing up the entire time for sure though okay but yeah so tldr they did it before in quebec and or quebec if you're that kind of person i'm gonna say quebec that's where my gay uncle jim and his husband gaiton live um mm-hmm. I think it's funny that if, if, if you are a couple French speaking listeners, I know that Gaetan is like the Italian name Gaetano, but in my head it says Gaetan. And because Gaetan is gay, I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a child. I right? I get it. He's cool. He's an oncologist. Regardless. Um, so yeah, they've done this before in Quebec. Uh, questionable how much it worked, right? Like, who are you asking? Are you asking the women if it worked? Are you asking? Anyway, though, um, they tried again. Uh, in New Orleans um, for, for three years from 1719 to 1721 and it is an absolute shit show so okay why are we why are we doing this is it to get rid of women in like in France or is it to add women to New Orleans 
It's kind of both. Okay. So in before we even have this program in New Orleans in general, we have men. So, so before we even have this program in general, France is kind of using the Americas as almost like it's Australia, mm-hmm. right? Not exactly better. They're basically just taking a bunch of prisoners uh, that are overflowing in jail, like nonviolent prisoners, whereas Australia was like a penal colony, like for violent prisoners. Yeah. Uh, they were just like, eh, you didn't pay your taxes. You're a traitor. Ah, I'm going to ship you off. There's, we don't got room for you, bruh. Like, we're, yeah. So, cause they're like, I don't really feel like shipping a murderer, but like we could ship a poor person. We could do that. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. I'm fully aware of how fucked up that statement is regardless. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, no. So they've like been doing it already with men, but at this point it's both overcrowding for the women, okay. but also it's, they do want to just, um, they need to get some women over there as well. And that's not to say that New Orleans wasn't just comprised of people who had basically been like conscripted to be, you know, a citizen because mm-hmm. there were obviously, you know, some noblemen and whatever, and like generals, things like that, like of government and some wealthy people who were like prospectors essentially But this for, and of course, you know, there were some wives and whatever, but at this point in these three years, we have about 250 something girls and women and I say girls and women, like some of them are babies from like orphanages, not like literal babies, but they're like, they have period. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So it didn't go so hot and people, you know, many of them are refusing marriage. Some of them end up, you know, being forced into sex work, their abuse. It's just, it's a shit show. Right. And at this point, um, the King is like, uh, fuck this shit. I'm not a fan. Like, let's just get over it. However, a few years later in 1728, uh, there was a new group of girls, um, that were a more of a more acceptable quality that had come to new orleans people were so they step off step off the boat um but suddenly people start you know like looking at them uh they're striking they're so pale it's like people say that they're glowing and okay they blister in the sun right like what does that sound like to you a little bit like a vampire <laughs> mm-hmm yeah Whereas me being a pale person, I'm thinking like, well, uh, I also blister in the sun. So Fair. I mean, yeah, I, I can put a highlighter on. So my skin's vegan, you know, I could do that. Um, but yeah, so that's the whole thing, you know, whatever. Some of them couldn't find husbands because people thought them were too, that they're too strange looking. So basically put it this way. You have women who have been stuck in the fucking hull of a ship for months, no sunlight. So they're pale as fuck. And then you have people who have been living in subtropical Louisiana. Like yeah. that's the, and they're brown, they're tan. And of course they're going to look fucking ridiculous. When I was right. a kid in Mexico, little girl, this little girl asked her mom, if I looked, if I looked so white because I put flour on my skin. And you're like, nope, all natural. <laughs> and they're like, it's so pretty. And I'm like, fight me. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. so like, these I, casket girls are like a, they're a, a specific so, subset. So, okay. Yeah, I kind of forgot to, I kind of buried the lead there. Yeah, so they're called casket girls because each of these girls, right? So this is back when K back and this is in New Orleans. They all bring with them this little thing called a casquette or uh, a cassette. Uh, and this is basically a little bit the same size or a little smaller than a modern carry-on. It's this like wooden casket, oh. right? It's, it's not, Yeah, like so a casket isn't necessarily just like a coffin. A casket is a wooden box for something. Okay. Right. But you know, in modern, in modern English, we think casket, we think dead. Right. But yeah, Yeah. so the casket girls, they have their little casket of their shit. Right. That's what they've got. They have, it's like, it's like basically bougie foster kids because they still have foster kids put their stuff in garbage bags. Yeah. No wonder our our listeners like your episodes more than mine. I just get going all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, listeners, we can see the stats. It's okay. We know what you like. Okay. Regardless. Yes. So they're called the casket girls uh, because of these things that they carry, right? So um, in French, right? Uh, which basically just means like the girls that are holding like, the little box girls, right? 
Okay. But like, and it, it kind of gets anglicized as the casket girls, which sounds way darker. Right. Sounds right? way moodier. Yeah. It sounds way that. moodier, okay. but like it kind of fits though soon. Um, so this new uh, group, right in 1728, you know, they're doing really well. However, Wait, and sorry, uh, are all of the girls casket girls or are they like all so of- all they they get like nicknamed as casket girls. So okay, like in I'm general, sure. they're called like the king's daughters, right? The yeah. the fille de roi, but um they're also called like casket girls, right? They're basically okay. mm-hmm. They're basically all these girls from France who end up, and these specific ones that we're talking about now, they're what people say the casket girls, like that's what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um this particular group uh was sent to go live at the Ursuline convent, Sisters of St. Ursula, on Chartres Street in Chartres, but it's Chartres Street. Do they say Charter Street in like modern? English in New Orleans is it like you know like how in New York it's Houston Street not Houston Street yeah people are very I don't know. particular in New Orleans and our listeners are probably like no but I'm not I know I one. you know what I'm sorry I'm I see I'm sorry listeners I'm always that person who's just like you gotta say it right and I'm I'm a level with you um <laughs> Alan and I are in different time zones. Usually we do our recordings when it's like lunchtime for me and like nighttime for Ellen. We're six hours apart. Well, right now it's bedtime for me and it's really early for Ellen. Um, and it's been a long day for both of us and it's been a bl- very short sleep time for Ellen. So this is where we're at. Um, Making like it that, babe, you're probably listening and you're thinking, God damn it. She fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, I did. I This research is fucking fire. I'm just... Yeah, no. Okay. But yeah, so we have the casket girls. Side note for our listeners, if the story seems a little convoluted, I will say that I read, I only included about 12 of the sources I used because there's so many different legends surrounding a lot of this. So hopefully you're following. I think I'm following. I think Ellen's following. But yes, so uh, you're welcome to check out the sources that I used, but yes, it's a little convoluted because, you know, gossip's convoluted, right? <laughs> yeah. So the casket girls, when we talk about them, we're really just talking about this, the last group, right? In the 28, um, that stayed at, you know, the Ursuline convent. Okay. These are the ones that are super pale. It's a whole thing. And like I mentioned before, when they get off the ship, these, especially they, everyone sees them as pale, they're glowing and they're blistering in the sun. That's a whole thing. And people are, they're better, essentially, like they're, you know, they're not necessarily of dubious repute, right? Uh, they're beautiful and they don't, not that it matters if they're sex workers. However, you know, these seem to be more respectable women, right? Okay. I have no idea where they got them from because, you know, how are you going to sell that to them? Want to go get locked in the bottom of shit for months, maybe die. And then when you get there, you might be like, you know, raped and kept prisoner. Maybe. I don't know. Sounds like a great time. The adventure is out there. I know. Adventure is out there, man. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so when the girls get there, though, so they're staying with Sisters of St. Ursula or the Ursuline nuns and the convent is still there. When the girls get there, um, the neighbors are start falling ill. Crops are failing. Um, Gosh. Yeah. All this weird shit starts happening. Um, One thing that I found, and I believe it was like a quote from like an old school writing is cats and dogs lived together. (laughs) Which I... I couldn't That's figure supposed out to be exactly like the end it, of the world. Like, well, I think uh, this is a very loose thing. I think what it means is like cats and dogs are like fucking each other. Oh, I could be. This is completely. This is dubious. This is of dubious certainty. Um, but that is the only thing I could find that makes that have made like kind of historical sense. We're got, weird shit's happening, right? Sus shit is happening. That's what's happening, right? So. <clears throat> But anyway, so the casket girls are staying in the third floor attic of the convent. And I just looked it up and St. Ursula is the patron saint of schoolgirls. At the convent, the girls are staying on the third floor, the third floor attic. Okay. And some of them, right, are leaving, they're getting married, all these things are happening. And then at some point, 
you know, all this weird stuff starts happening and the, the you know, the program is still kind of program, <laughs> what, you know, I'm saying for lack of a better word, right. It's kind of going downhill and eventually, you know, they all end up leaving. So different sources said that the nuns kicked the girls out. Others said that they just all happened to go or like, you know, or like that they got called back to France. I couldn't really figure out why they were all gone relatively suddenly. Okay. What, but we kind of come back together at the next part. So once all the girls are gone, um, the nuns put uh, leave all their stuff where they were, right? On the third floor. They don't go there. It's an attic space, right? And there's still like this like kind of creepy air around. And then some things of the girls start being weird. Like, so all the hand mirrors the girls had had, just mysterious. Some reports say that they all vanished. Some say they all shattered. Oh my uh, goodness. Right? Like compacts. They just were like done. But the one thing that is, one of the nuns is just like a little, you know, like a little postulant, whatever, is curious, like, what all, you know, stuff could they have? Like, what did they bring with them? Because all their shit's still there. The girls right. are gone, but all their sh- their little caskets are still there. So she goes up to there. All of them are empty. Well, wait. All of them are empty. So they kick the girls out and they don't even let them bring their stuff? That's the thing. That's where the weird part is. So okay. either the girls, like, they are sold into prostitution or they get married or they die or they go back, but they all leave their caskets there. They all leave their stuff. Okay. Then she goes to look at it. Every single one of them, like of hundreds of them are all empty and all this bad energy is emulating. So somehow through the grapevine, it becomes that there is that these, the girls had brought vampires over with them from Europe because, and there's a whole lot of vampire lore. I, it could not even barely, I didn't, I barely scratched the surface. I love it. I love vampires. <laughs> but yeah, so all the bad juju coming out of this room and there's empty caskets. I, part of me, and part of me, you know, at first I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is just like bastardized through time because caskets, vampires, etc. But no, so at this time, uh, apparently a lot of these girls that came over, they were actually, um, immigrants to France themselves. They were mostly from Eastern Europe. Um, okay. Many of them, right, had been, you know, either like brought essentially as slaves, as children, or like were beggars, etc. You know, like, again, like they were of dubious repute, right? They were not wealthy women. They were poor people slipping through the cracks. Okay. Um, but a lot of those cultures have their own vampire stories. And of course, there's totally racism baked in. However, uh, it became the belief that all the weird shit had happened when the girls came over um, because they either themselves are vampires, but now we're thinking that they had brought vampires or vampiric energy with them inside their little caskets. Wait, that is so adorable. Like I just packed oh. up my little vampire and brought them I know. in a small little carry-on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I tried to like look up specific legends. I didn't, obviously I, could have done more research. I couldn't find anything off the top, like off right off the bat that was about like keeping a vampire in like a little thing. I know that there are things like you can like catch like a vampire in like a special box, but um the first few like hits I got for like a wooden vampire box were like this vampire killing kit that was like actually a thing that will totally be an episode down the line. Like I kind of got the New Orleans and the vampire bug like has bitten me. I, I don't know the logistics really of that. However, they have, they may or may not have, per- have brought vampires over and this, there's like this, this sus, this bad energy. The girls are gone, but the caskets are there and empty, but all this shit's going on. That's still like weird. And so they seal up the entire third floor. Yeah. Not only do they seal it up and board it up, they do it with screws and nails that were blessed by the Pope. They had special holy tools and implements sent over to keep in the evil that is supposedly there. Whoa. And to this day, so this happened in the 1700s and it's been like 300 years. And not only is this room still sealed up, but in 1987, when King John, King, when Pope John Paul II came to New Orleans, he re-fucking blessed it. 
what there's so much more to dig into this and like we're not even done with this episode like this is just the tipping point the casket girls are a let or wear vampires from what i found right this is like white person vampires the casket girls are the clearest origin story right to vampires that i found in the city because they have like a big you know presence in new Uh orleans um but yeah no so there is some deep stories about like just from like the catholic church about this vampiric thing and the evil that resides in that third floor attic in that condom that's still there today but it sounded like what you were saying where they're like there were some things that were weird but it mm-hmm. didn't sound like anything that was so horrible. Like, right? That's like, the thing. They just seemed like a little, like, a little eerie occurrences. Not like everybody's dying, you know? Seems like extreme measures. See, that's the thing. There weren't a lot of really good records that I could find from that time. Um, and from what I do understand, like, that's like, it's a conspiracy. But a lot of the records were, like, kept, like, hush-hush oh. by the church. Because a lot of it, so think about, so in terms of like voodoo and racism, right? So mm-hmm. voodoo has a lot of, it's a lot of mixing with indigenous, you know, indigenous uh, religions and spirituality and also Catholicism. They all kind of mix together and they're thinking like, oh, power, van-, like, you know, they, they don't want, in case vampires are real, they're like, we don't want the common folk knowing that, you right. know? Okay. Yeah. So Fair. I don't know what accent that was, but Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, like I said, couldn't find any good evidence from or records from that time. But let's fast forward to the 1970s, approximately 1978. So there were some ghost hunters in the 70s who really wanted. Oh, yeah, it's like everything else in New Orleans is supposed to be haunted now. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. And you can't go inside like that shit's still boarded up today. Like, that's, like I said, in 87, they re-fucking blessed it. Jeez. Yeah. Right. Like something else happened there that we don't know oh for like sure. ghosts are cool oh yeah i want to know no way that the pope is making like a special trip to bless mm-hmm. re-bless something so yeah exactly to re-bless not only because like in blessing the fucking that's like some van housing shit and like that that lasts Right, like blessing doesn't mm-hmm. go away. So the fact that the Pope's like, yeah, let, just in re- case, let's, let's just, re-up it. Yeah, <laughs> totally and I don't, right, there's something. like multiple sources that say he blessed this place. This, oh my God, it's insane. Okay, <clears throat> but no, it's okay. So fast forward to the 1970s, um, almost 200 years, basically after the girls came over. Um, no, not 200 years, more than 200 years. I can't math. 250. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, uh, so these ghost hunters, um, there's a couple stories of like how they ended up there. Um, regardless, they wanted to do like the thing where you have like the EMF reader at night and they either ditched a tour of the convent or saying that they purposely, you know, wanted to get into the convent or whatever. However, they got there, it doesn't really matter. But the key part though is that. In the morning, they, after spending a whole night, you know, monitoring the sealed third floor windows, they wanted to see some vampire shenanigans um, or some ghosts. Uh, and they were like prepared to get busted for trespassing. And when the police, you know, found them because, you know, the nuns called, they're like, there's these fucking weirdos like, you know, playing here. Um, their bodies were completely drained of blood. Oh, wait, what? So they go to do like the little ghost readings. Yeah. Ghost slash vampire hunters like want to be Van Helsing. And they're like, we just want to see some shit. We want to prove that this is fucking real. And like I said, they'd been smushing it down. Like, why else are you going to give a fucking re-blessing if shit's not happening? The nuns like hear them or whatever and are like, call them. Go the fuck away. What? They they didn't call it. They're, I don't think they called them in one, but like they wanted to be there. And the nuns were like, no. And which is fair, right? Like, yeah. we don't know you, two dudes. Yeah. And then, like, so eventually, when the police like go to like bust them for trespassing, uh, they're dead and they're bloodless. Oh my God. And we don't yeah. know how that happened. No, uh, a couple, yeah, no, uh, different reports that I found um, 
say like they were 80% drained or whatever, but they were That's missing enough. a show. Yeah. yeah they, right. And they didn't just say, yeah. Right. And there wasn't just like, it wasn't like they were stabbed and they had like hemorrhaged everywhere. They were just missing no a blood. lot of blood. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, so spooky. I know. Oh, but there's more. So like I said, people kind of, and again, this is me. If you're from New Orleans or if you are, you know, not boring and white like myself, uh, you probably know a lot more about different vampire traditions in New Orleans, um, around this area. Almost every culture has some, you know, tale of immortality. Um, but from my research, my very limited research, um, the casket girls are kind of touted as the beginning of they brought vampires right to New Orleans specifically. So I wanted to talk about some of the other vampires they that may or may not have come forth from them. And not there's no like I couldn't. It's not like direct lines. However, uh, you know, here's some other vampires in New Orleans, you know, that we might have a little fun there. We just were in the 1970s. We're going to rewind just a little bit to 1932. This little girl is running down the street, Royal Street, apparently. I have known nothing about New Orleans geography. (laughs) I don't know nothing about most geography. Let's be honest. I can like tell you where countries are on a map. But if you were like, give me directions on how to get to target i could like drive you to target could i explain to you how to get there no <laughs> no i could not yeah so i know university avenue is in there somewhere but There's i don't know magazine street that's where the zoo is located <laughs> okay i used to think that zoos were so sad and then i realized that almost all the animals in zoos are rescue animals so like that makes them not sad yeah and they're huge for conservation efforts Exactly. And where are we going to put them? We've destroyed their. Mm, that's also really their true. habitat. Like you can't put them back. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. room for them to go. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. So this little girl is running down Royal Street and she's panicked. Um, you know, she's just like freaking the fuck out. And then she runs into a police officer. And she's just like babbling and babbling. And she's just like totally, she's in shock, right? And he gets her to slow down a little bit to the point where he gets her to tell him um, that she just escaped. She'd been tied up by two brothers along with a few other victims. And together they'd been held captive for, she didn't know how long, for days so that the brothers could drink their blood. What? Yeah. So... And this is like a little kid. I heard reports from she was like a little girl to like a teenager, but she's still a girl, right? She's a minor. Okay. And the police are clearly like, this girl's strung out on something. Like, this seems ridiculous, right? Right. Um, but clearly she's still very upset. So they follow her. And then to their horror, everything is exactly how she had described. No. There are four other people in very rough shape having clearly been like bloodlet um, and they're all tied to chairs and in this like gross house. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's squalid. Yeah. So all of these victims, uh, ha- like, so yeah, their wrists had all been cut. So they're, re- they had like basically been repeatedly been like cut on the wrist and drank from, and then like rewrapped. Ew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, um, and like, clearly like some of them are getting bad infections. Um, cause it's, you know, summer in Louisiana and you've got like a moist bandage on an open wound that keeps getting saliva in it. Ew. Um, yeah. Oh, and also there's two more bodies in a different room that are wrapped in blankets and they're just rapidly decaying in the heat. Ew. And it's like, it's hot. It's yeah. very hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're there, the brothers are not there. Right. So there are two brothers. Um, and according to the little girl, the brothers left each morning just before daybreak. And they only, and they came just after dark every night. So she had escaped obviously during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not there. So the police figure, okay, well, I'll just wait, you know, see if we can sting. Right. So they do, they come back and they're immediately caught. Um, and they kind of just spill everything. Um, they confirm immediately 
what the victims have told them, but they learned so many other gross things. Like I can't, yeah. But so when they talked to the brothers, what they would do apparently is that each night when they would come back to their house, they would take off the grody bandages from each of their blood bags wrists and they'd use a knife to reopen the wound um until blood was like flowing freely they weren't just off the scab they were like slicing yeah uh until the blood's coming out and they caught the blood in cups like that's how much it was flowing and they until they drank until they were full um and then they would redress the wounds with fresh bandages I, bleh, I, this is horrible did they give any explanation like explanation why oh yeah we'll get there okay. um and also while they're with the victims uh they like didn't talk to them like to them the people they kidnapped were just like a food source they're just so, blood ew so from what i found it looks like this is like basically an example of folie deux, right? Like a shared delusion because the brothers basically almost, they can, they begged to be hanged. They begged because they were like, we need to do this to survive and we're going to have to keep killing people. Like we can't think of them as people. We have to think of them as food because we, we need to, they'll die. So, ba- so like they were like, if we go to prison and we can't drink blood, we'll die. Is that well, like capital, well, like cap mer- capital punishment was just like standards. They're just like, you need to like, you know, arrest us and kill us. Otherwise we're just going to keep doing this. Oh um, yeah. Right. So they like, they would like, they're also just like, you can't, we can't have a trial. Like you can't release on bail. Cause we're just going to keep killing. Like we can't control it. Like their bloodlust is like beyond control. And they're like, please kill us. Like that's where they, that's like what they claim they didn't talk to their captives because if they did that, then they would empathize with them and like they had to just eat them or I guess drink their blood. Yeah. Um, Were they eating other food? That's unclear. Hmm. Um, I don't really know. Um, yeah. I don't think really we know. Um, yeah, their names are John and Wayne Carter, by the way. Uh, John so. Wayne. <laughs> I know John Wayne um, and John Carter. Uh, I always, for whatever reason I was reading this, I kept thinking of John Tucker must die. Um, But yeah, so, but yeah, so the brothers, John and Wayne ended up being tried as uh, serial killers, essentially. I'm like, we don't actually know how many people like each of them murdered. And I couldn't find if they had like, if their victims just ended up dying as like, out of blood loss or like an infection or something, or if they had like, you know, ended up just like slitting their throats or something. Like I couldn't tell if they died as like a result of the repeated abuse um, or if they or like, or if they died or if they were like killed. Right. right. I didn't know. I couldn't find out. I don't know. I don't think anybody. Yeah. So convicted and eventually executed. So I have one more um, kind of juicy tid of a okay. story here. I'm probably going to do. I am going to do a episode about this person or maybe the inspiration for this person. We will get there. So, okay. uh, Yeah. So this last uh, notable potential vampire uh, is Jacques Saint-Germain or Saint-Germain who was quite the toast of the town in New Orleans in the early 1900s. Um, however, uh, s- some, um, or many really, um, believe instead that Jacques Saint-Germain was really uh, Le Comte de Saint-Germain, the Count of Saint-Germain. Um, so who okay. the Count of Saint-Germain was himself like super illustrious and lots of cool shit that I will again like I want to do an episode about him but were they the same person because was the Count of Saint Germain really a vampire he allegedly died in the 1780s in France but Jacques or maybe it was the Count uh emerged in you know the 1930s around the time that you know the Carters were you know drinking their fill 
uh, in New Orleans. But unlike them, who, you know, being icky, he was basically like the Gatsby of New Orleans. He had these big parties. He always is walking around the French Quarter with a girl on his arm. You know, he's wealthy. He's extravagant. He's super mysterious and he's handsome. And everybody seems to have a story about him. Like he's just- I love that. He sounds wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just, he's, he has these catered parties, like to getting, getting an invite to one of, one of Jacques parties is you've, you've made it right. They're not necessarily, I, I, they seem to be kind of ranging like from like an intimate dinner party to like, you know, they're not like the big ragers, right. That you, you know, get to be able to be through or like studio 54. Uh, but yeah, they're like these, super fancy catered parties that are intimate and the entire time with all this lavish food uh um he apparently himself never actually eats anything like he's super excited that all of his guests are eating but he himself only drinks um from a specific like fancy chalice uh that is filled with red wine whoa yeah i don't know fam yeah so Maybe he's just the kind of person that he's a food pusher. Maybe he has problem, right? Or maybe he just is the kind of, he's like an anxious host. It's a thing too. Or like, you know, that's totally a thing. Regardless, every time he has some of these parties, like the, the main attraction is that he's telling these stories that are so engaging. He's a great storyteller. Unlike me when I was trying to explain what casket girls were, <laughs> but he is, uh, he knows, seems to know everything. He seems to have, you know, have all these great adventures, but people really notice that when he talks about the past, it sounds like he lived it. He knows about places that for his young age, you couldn't have possibly have been. Um, he speaks with a strange accent, all these things. And at the same time, it's just like, do we, right? How many questions do we want to ask? We want to, you know, it's fun. Um, that being said though, I mean, uh, yeah, there's the weird stuff about, you know, him not eating and all these things. Maybe he's just quirky, but, uh, people kind of notice that he looks really similar, um, to the Count of Saint-Germain, Le Comte de Saint-Germain, uh, which it becomes like a joke amongst friends that, oh, he's a vampire. It's like, you love staying up late and partying. You don't eat, you only drink, you know, out of a, yeah. So you're probably a vampire. And it's like, <laughs> oh, or is it? So a few months after Jacques pops onto the New Orleans social scene, the police are called to his home uh, to ending a woman who seems to have fought, who, who appears to have fallen out of his window. Like his, his gallery is what it says, but I'm guessing it's Ooh. like, you know, like, I guess like a, a gallery, like a rich person room to look at shit, I guess, but she's fallen out on the street. Um, so it's rumored that she was uh, a prostitute. There were, it's not mine. Um, I mean, it truly, it's just like slap an A on her and call her unreliable, basically. But also, who the fuck cares if she was? Regardless, though, his guest, a woman, right? Profession unknown with the dubious repute, right? Uh, has been, she's apparently, though, she's, she jumped off the balcony. She didn't fall. She jumped off the balcony uh, to get away from him. Uh, and Wait, you're thinking, what, are there, like, there are witnesses or something that saw her jump or? Well, so here's, so she survives. She survived oh. the fall and everyone's like, oh my God, this poor girl, she fell. Like, was she drunk? Did she get pushed? And she survives. And she's like, no, I jumped because I jumped because the count had bit me on the neck. And he wanted to do, not sorry, the count, like the maybe count, but because St. Germain Jacques bit me on the neck and like blah, 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 blah. And she's only able, and like, not like fun, like hard. And she's only able to like escape when he like turns her, when someone knocks on the door for whatever reason. And she just like yates herself off that balcony. Yeah. So this girl, Ooh. woman is taken, right? <laughs> so they take her to the hospital. Um, like, just imagine, like it has to be, that bad to be like I'm gonna just jump out of yourself. the window, right? Like something that's, very terrible is happening. To I know that's like actually one of the things in um 
that true story. Uh, unbelievable. I don't know what that is. It, it's a true, it like, actually, I'm not going to tell you anything because you really should watch it. Um, it's a, it's a true story about a serial rapist, um, oh. with like different women, like the whole thing, like every, it's like some of the victim stories, like this is unbelievable. Like nobody would believe you for this in any way. And shocking, two women detectives put this shit together because women believe women. <laughs> anyway, man, I'm just, I'm, I get spicy at 1224 AM. <laughs> CST. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, this woman on the way to the hospital, um, but I mean, the rumors that she is, you know, a woman of ill repute, um, kind of are important because the police are just like, she's delusional, she's hysterical, whatever, right? Or, or she's on something, right? Um, and then you, you know, put her with, you know, the very, you know, the well-known, the affluent, mm-hmm. you know, St. Germain, he's also a guy, but you know, he's, they're like, don't bother coming in for questioning right now. We'll chat in the morning right? Whatever. And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, guess who never shows up to talk to the police in the morning? He just never guess comes. Who, he just never goes. And in fact, he left basically everything in his apartment behind. So apparently, um, this is where like half my sources are like legend suggests. And it's like, uh, no, this is what happened. We're a fucking gossip podcast when the police go to break into his house, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're cautious. They're like, okay, well, this guy knows that like, he probably could have rolled up and like told us basically anything and would have believed him. So like, why didn't he show up? Like barring him being like injured or something. Right. Right. Um, they go in with caution and they're thinking like, what if he really did try to like eat this woman or whatever. Right. So they are looking around and on the second floor of his house, they, in the gallery, they discover this bunch of open but corked wine bottles. Like, you know, if you like open a bottle of wine, you put the cork back in, like it's sealed, but it's not like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's yeah. corked, but not sealed. Yeah. Um, they discover uh, that most of them uh, are filled with either a mixture of red wine and blood or just straight up blood, human blood. Ew! How do yeah. they know that it's red wine and blood? It smells like it, maybe. It, I guess it smells like I'm. Well, they're like wine bottles, and I th- I'm guessing kind of the combo. I guess. I mean, I mean, obviously, I know today. This is the '30s. I mean, there's plenty of chemical tests you can do okay. even then. To know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like not that they had like a gas spectrometer spectrometer yet, but like or a gas chromatography. Gas chromatography, take me fucking back. Oh, and then there was the hot TA in chemistry, Alex from Peru. Oh, chef's kiss. I digress, but no, they can figure it out. It's not too hard. And I mean, again, I probably also just like, there's probably bottles of that. It's like a bottle of wine, whatever, but like it's both. And again, he always drank red wine, allegedly. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. So we like, we're talking like multiple bottles of this. Yeah, this is a series of open, uh, yeah, the large collection of bottles. This is a quote from one of the articles I read. The large collection of bottles were filled with a terrifying mixture of wine along with large quantities of human blood. (laughs) Yeah. um, Everyone's like freaked the fuck out and all of his like guests and shit are like, it's both like, is this ever going to be funny? that we could have been snacks not like oh, yeah no right so and he kind of like fades into the ether right like he's really only on the scene for a few months he like kind of blew into town like famous as could be and everyone's like oh my god yeah Jacques, he's so cool you gotta come he's really, really right and then he's just out e3000 so yeah do we have theories on where the blood came from like it sounds like from that we so that's the thing so she's alive so the theory in general is that he because he has these parties and because he's like a man about town so like the biggest thing he's always seen with a different woman um and it's a big city so like we're thinking that maybe he you know gets sex workers or like young women with like no connections and then like like kills them and bleeds them maybe which is like different than you know the um 
Carter brothers, right? Because they, they're like, just like, you know, drinking live victim, like out of a cup, but still, but he's like, yeah, wine bottles, lots of them. Like how many pints of, we have 20, is it 20 pints of blood in our bodies? Maybe. <laughs> I don't Let's know. Let's do some quick math here. Wait, so pints of blood in human body. 10 pints. Okay, not 20. Jesus. Okay. Okay. So let's do 10 pints of blood. Okay. So let's do actually let's do this. Wait. Okay. Liters of blood in human body. That's way easier. Okay. Five liters of blood in the human body. Cool. Okay. So and then there's 750 milliliters in. So yeah, in a whole body is like six-ish wine bottles and change. So like six and two thirds of a wine bottle. So like if you're mixing it with, you know, he probably only needs like, it, it really, you need two people for a case of wine. Oh my God. That's yeah. maybe my favorite napkin math we've ever done. <laughs> How many bottles of wine worth of blood are in us? It's true. And if you're really dehydrated, you know, yeah, there was a, they did a, my favorite murder, like one of Karen's, like her survival stories. And this guy is so dehydrated that his blood is just like, it won't come out. He tries to kill himself. He's like, Ew. you know, it's a whole thing. I know. Anyway. Um, so I thought it'd be fun, um, to kind of like loop back to the maybe actual, so we don't know, right? So it's like, if he's a vampire and he looks like the Count of St. Germain, who, him, who himself was questionable. Um, yeah. So this is a quote about the Count um, from uh, a letter from Horace Walpole, the fourth Earl of Oxford, to his friend Horace Mann. Um, so here we go. They're talking about the Count of St. Germain who's maybe Jacques, an odd man who goes by the name of Comte Saint-Germain had been here these two years and will not tell who he is or whence, but professes that he does not go by his right name. He sings, mm. plays on the violin wonderfully, composes, is mad and not very sensible. <laughs> he's, called an, right? he's called an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole, a somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople, a priest, a fiddler, a vast nobleman. The Prince of Wales has had unsatiated curiosity about him, but in vain. Hmm. So all those things that he's like, he's done all these, lived all these lives, all these different things. He swans in, he swans out. Think about like the fucking Collins. They can't stay in one place too long because they don't age. Nothing changes. Right. And also the bodies that are piling up. Right. You would think eventually someone would yeah. be like, huh, all of these ladies are missing. But like, again, like if they're sex workers and he's only there for a few months and like right. well, the first one that people notice, then he yeets. That's true. And it, it feels like he maybe has a, he has a, a pattern now. He's like, oh, I've done yeah. this before. Once I draw exactly. some attention, or I gotta also get like, out. Jacques is like such a common fucking name. Yeah. Yeah, like Jack. Right, right. Yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. That's, yeah. But yeah, so I'm definitely, there's so much more about if, even if they're not the same, you know, Jacques and the Count, but I'm going to do a whole episode about Le Comte de Saint-Germain. Uh, and I, that, that never gets old. I guarantee, well, our French <laughs> listeners are probably like, Jesus Christ, you think you're being so fancy, but you sound disgusting. Um. <laughs> Okay, um, so I want to end on vampires today in New Orleans. So NOVA, or the New Orleans Vampire Association, was founded in 2005. Um, fun fact, they are, so they are like, you know, a group of vampires, but they're, they're primarily like humanitarian group, and their aim is to feed the homeless. Um, oh, wow. Were, right? And they were actually instrumental in humanitarian aid after Katrina. That's incredible. I know. It's like the Church of Satan. Everyone's like, oh, and they're like, actually, they do a lot of really good stuff. Good things. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So um, it was founded by, it was, we're getting back into like, the, you're not shocked at this point. So founded by Belfazar Ashantason. <laughs> I think I said that right. 
Um, he goes by Czar, so we'll we'll stick with that. Um, Belthazar, what are we in like the 1600s? No, now you see Belthazar, Belthazar. It's clearly the same like derivation, but like I'd never heard of B E L F A Z A A R. I've never heard that spelling before. Wild. I know. Regardless, uh, he, um, or I guess they, I don't know their pronouns, but Czar uh, defines mm-hmm. vampirism as a quote unquote physiological condition where the person who has it is lacking the ability to create specific energies needed to get through daily events, like getting up out of bed, getting dressed, and going to work. Unquote. And me, being the depressed girly that I am, is thinking, you just fucking described clinical depression, you whore. <laughs> but yeah. like, regardless, it, it, but that's uh, okay. Um, and our floats your boat. Yeah, I take drugs for that. And also really like wine and weed and sex and hanging out with my cat. But like, you don't drink blood for that? I, apparently not. No. <laughs> um, so, According to the website, no, there's different types of vampires. Some drink blood. Some are sexual vampires that feed off sexual energy. Others are harder to describe. And this is, I'm literally quoting a, a uh, ABC News, a local ABC News article. Um, but Czar, okay, so apparently uh, Fritzl's Bar of Bourbon Street is a big vamp bar. Um, Fritzl's? Oh, did you just hear how fucking Midwestern I sounded? A bar. Like, we're going to have coffee and bars after mass today. <laughs> and Barb Rossi said that she was going to bring her seven layer bars. And we all know that those are the best. How do you spell Fritzels? Uh, F-R-I-T-Z-E-L. Fritzels Bar up in Bourbon Street. But if you're going to party with the vamps, uh, most of the time is a secret password. So Fritzels European okay. Jazz Pub. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to see if it's by like other things I would go to on Bourbon Street. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's right by this bar called the Cat's Meow that we would go to to do (laughs) karaoke. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I've been to this bar. (laughs) I've been here. I went to like a little little jazz concert. Oh, Alan, you're in danger. Wait. Oh my God. Me and my Aunt Vicky went. Aunt Vicky or Aunt Vampy? <laughs> oh my God. God, not my best work. Okay. Um, yeah, no, there's so much to unpack of vampires again. And truly, I could have I could have read the entire article to you and we could have dissected it. Fucking czar is so goddamn quotable. Um, but I wanted to finish on his uh, methodology, which seems to be like, kind of a refined version of the Carter brothers consent being key here. Um, oh no. I am. I don't think I need to hear this. Vampire. I am a blood drinker. I do have donors. I don't chase people down. So apparently he drinks blood on average two to four times a week. And he, each time he consumes anywhere from two to six ounces. Um, and also the entire time I read this, I thought about my menstrual cup, which holds two ounces of blood. <laughs> so he's taking like a shot of blood twice he's a He's taking a shot of blood. To, well, a shot to three shots of blood, like four times a week, up to four times a week. Yeah. Uh, so he'll usually make a cut. So here we go. This is the last quote. Usually make a cut on the backside of the shoulder. And make sure they go home with enough bandages and neosporin. Anything could happen. And then, okay, the reporter uh, of this article, who I, was from the news team, so I don't know, whoever, you know, so one of them was like, what about AIDS? Which like, okay, fine. What about HIV? Not AIDS. What's the point though? What about any disease that we know about? And right. they get tested, I guess, regularly. They get tested every three months, which to me doesn't seem soon enough. Like, I recommend getting tested every time you get a new partner or like I have people that I, you know, sex workers in general usually get tested monthly. Oh my God. Like that's insane. Did we, do you have any pictures of, of Belf? I need to look up. Yeah. Honestly, Belf fits him better. Let's look him up. I guarantee he's all over the internet. 
Oh yeah, Belfazar Zara Shandison. Okay, the third result when I typed in Belfazar was Belfazar Ashantasan bump on face. And I don't know what's on. He does have a weird fit. What the fuck is on his face? Like, is he handsome? Like, how is he it getting It looks like people? a face tumor. It's weird. What happened to it? Does he have like a, it looks like a goiter. Does he always He's a this? weird looking dude. I don't think so. He's a weird looking dude. Like, you're not surprised. He but looks he like a mediocre white. Oh, he's, cult. he's such a mediocre white guy. Yeah. Oh, here we go. His fa- <gasps> his Facebook page. Oh my God. This is the founding member of Nova and he works at Voodoo Authentica in New Orleans when not helping the homeless. Like let's sure. Let's, let's talk about it. They do a lot of really good work. However, this guy's fucking crazy. That's what I've got for vampires in New Orleans. I love it. Yeah. Thanks Nate for this topic that I think I might've fucked up. I tried. <laughs> hard absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not fascinating well and it's like new orleans is such a like weird and spooky place but it's so i want to go but like you should really like he was yeah like what what, yeah no like he was totally right though he was like it could be a whole podcast like truly new orleans is i've heard so many wonderful things and like there's so much crazy shit like yeah, I mean, there also is like, a Vampire Diaries. They have like a spinoff based in New that Orleans. Say, the originals. Mm-hmm. Well, like that. Apparently, the originals knew. Like they used to own New Orleans and run New Orleans, and apparently that was a thing. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, like one of the articles I read was like, "Yeah, in the '30s, people are partying. It would be pretty easy to just go bite someone." So, lots of transients. Yeah. Right. Or think about New Orleans today. It's all tourists. Yeah. I mean, like most of our gossipy stuff today has been about like sexy things, but at the same time, it's like, I'm kind of here for a little bit of supernatural business. This seems gossipy to me. I don't know. I adore it. Absolutely adore it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, If you're still listening to Hot Cross History, um, we'd also like to give a really big thanks to Pat and Alex for our theme music. I don't know if Ellen's going to stick to the bloopers of me trying to kill a centipede on my bed while trying to tell a story. She might. I'm not sure. Uh, (laughs) But if you want to hear that, I would just stay tuned for a little bit. If you have any thoughts or you want to tell us about your vampire experiences or you want to chat about New Orleans and how much I love it and all the places that I miss and want to go, or if you want to hear about Boomy the Tiger at the New Orleans Zoo or the flamingos or the chickens, we have some very tight bonds, let us know. Drop us a DM on Instagram at Hawkeye History or send us an email at History at gmail.com really thank you so so much for listening to our show uh please rate review and subscribe my show notes i forgot to list my sources earlier um but there's a lot of them so i had uh, lots of wikipedia as always i a ghost city tours article called the, the casket girls an article from yesterday's america the forgotten history of two new orleans vampires uh by the, their editorial team from verylocal.com, my granny was a vampire smuggling casket girl, a possibly true story by Michael DeMocker. Uh, from folklorethursday.com, the casket girls and vampires of New Orleans by Randy Samuelson Brown. From pelicanstateofmind.com, Jacques Saint Germain, the infamous Louisiana vampire by Rin Middleton. From exemplar.com, the vampire legends of New Orleans by Brian Harrison. From gonola.com what are casket girls founding matriarchs or vampire smugglers uh from hotels.com 10 creepy facts and legends about new orleans by penny wong from huffpost new orleans vampire legends with local expert jonathan vice or weiss founder uh by a contributor called father sebastian with two a's this is a contributor which means he's sus but whatever uh ancient-origins.net a vampire in new orleans the mysterious case of jacques and the comte de saint-germain by marita crandall marita crandall also runs the vampire cafe in new orleans um and 
a finally a cbs42.com article the history of the new orleans vampire association by christopher leach with uh our main man um belfazar <laughs> but yeah those are my sources and as always stay, stay juicy, juicy. <laughs>